0: Hello, you're listening to Thought Starters, a podcast on the business of creativity. I'm Ellie Stuhler. Joining us in conversation today from the pod at White City Place, Danielle Pender and Sabine Zettler. In 2013, Danielle founded Repost, self-described as a smart magazine for women. And frankly, it's just that. Now on its eighth issue, Repost has featured a diverse range of women, including experienced designer Nellie ben who appeared on this podcast not too long ago, writer and activist Gloria Steinem, and celebrated makeup artist Isamaya French. Repost engages its community of readers through events that have focus on art, fashion, gender, tech, and publishing, to name just a few. Sabine Zettler is the founder and co-director of Zettler Creativity Publicity, where she started in 2012. Her clients range from young, rising talent to establishing industry stalwarts. All, however, share her humanist, optimistic worldview. Current and past clients include illustrator and artist Camille Walala and paper merchants G.F. Smith. On the agenda today, running a creative business, running a creative business as a woman, office culture, and modern-day individualism. But first, Danielle introduces Riposte's latest issue and the outspoken sex educator and breast cancer survivor Erica Hart, who appears topless on the cover.
1: So, yes, our latest issue just launched back in May, end of May. So, it's been really nice seeing how it's gone and getting the response because we were a bit nervous about the cover. But it's actually been really well received, um, which was good. It was an amazing cover. It was a really brave cover. Oh, thank you. Yeah, we were, um, I'd seen Erica do the talk that she did at the Women's March. In January and she sort of called out the Women's March for it not being inclusive and it wasn't for all women so we knew that we wanted her on the cover and then yeah she was amazing in the photo shoot and just sort of went for it and we didn't style her or anything she just took her top off and went for it
2: (laughs) it's amazing I remember you saying that at the launch actually that she kind of called that out and I know that it was stirring at the back of my head when I saw the pictures of all those pink cats and all that other stuff and then quite recently I saw something else I wish I remembered the designer's name but where the word nude obviously isn't relevant to most of the population yeah and I know I use that all the time when I'm talking about just things that I associate with the colour nude and yeah yeah, when you brought that up about her I was quite kind of I did feel a moment of shame that I just didn't voice it I'm like yeah women's things yeah and then I was like actually exactly because at the
1: time on the day on that Saturday I was we'd done this like sign making workshop the night before with loads of other women and readers and it was a mixed group of women And I didn't really think about it. But then on the the day, I was like, oh, this is amazing. (laughs) But actually, looking back now, I feel kind of ashamed of myself because I didn't really... Because then when I watched her talk, it really affected us and I got really upset because I hadn't really realised that. But then I suppose that's the point, isn't it? You've got to have those awkward conversations to push things forward. Mm -hmm. And the things that she talks about in her interview, she talks about, like, the... um, the politics of what we find attractive and challenging that and yeah a lot of things that she raises I'd, I never thought about. Mm-hmm. And what's happening with the next issue? When is it coming out? November? <laughs> is it? You do already have a date. <laughs> uh, well maybe end of October, uh, start of November so we've got the we've got everything but then Shaz is gonna have a baby, the girl that i That designs it. So we just need to give her a bit of time and see how that goes. She's going to have to come back really soon now.
2: (laughs) (laughs) She might have a very creative infant, fingers crossed. Uh, How do
1: you... So you've now... How many people are in your team?
2: So there's seven of us, including me, and then always a couple of freelancers.
1: Really? So how is? running your own business and then so you've got your job job but now you have to manage all of those people how do you find that how do you work that it's a
2: funny mix it's quite an emotional mix sometimes of just you know remembering the day when I used to just do my job and felt really useful Mm. and now I do feel really useful I feel seven times as useful actually for all the people that we work with but yeah you you know you kind of think of employees are doing their job and your life's really complicated you know my life's stressful I've got all of this stuff going on and I come to work and let's all just get on with our work when we're there and then you realize that there's all these personalities and all of these lives and they're really complicated but everyone does come to work most of the time and they do just get on with it and Mm -hmm. we've got loads to do and everyone likes being in the office you know I do spend slightly more than most people would think is reasonable or a good idea on having a really nice place to work
1: yeah because I wondered about that because my husband runs his own business and he they've kind of gone full circle so they went really deep into like their company culture and they spent lots of time like trying to develop it and make it a nice place to work but then actually they've kind of come back around and they've lost like the Americanism, like it's just, they're they're just like be a nice person, work hard and Mm -hmm. let us know if you've got a problem, like how do you cultivate your culture? It's a
2: constant wave of going back and forward where you kind of try and be a really good boss and try and be really thoughtful and go how is everyone feeling and what can we order, you know, get delivered to the office and is there enough plants, is there enough light, (laughs) and then you suddenly feel like you're being really kind of almost like too parental. Yeah. oh, I've turned into parent-child now and actually I really wanted us all to be equals mm. of it. We ha- try and have hardly any hierarchy. There is a hierarchy, obviously, in there somewhere because I do own all the risk and it is my company in the end and it's got my name all over it. <laughs> yeah. it <laughs> narcissistic surname stamped all over all the stationery and the walls and the windows and stuff.
1: <laughs> You're in my house.
2: <laughs> but, you know, yeah, it is difficult because you don't want to be too whatever you want I never want you to feel a moment's stress come on let's all you know sit and talk through this when actually you're like work's just stressful sometimes yeah it's unpredictable and that's the deal
1: yeah exactly because then my husband like he was kind of saying at the end of the day I pay everyone's wages and they get paid like a decent amount and I try and make it as interesting as possible but they are here to do a job so there's that like balance of let's have a nice time but let's get some work done. yeah I am
2: lucky I mean we have I'm not a total pushover if people really don't want to contribute they don't survive there yeah I have had to let go of people who just you know really do come in and they're kind of like well this is what my job that my job description says this and it doesn't say that so I'm only going to do this and not that and it's like but we really need to do that other thing together now today and you know I used to be just stay late on my own and do everything so that no one else yeah. would have to ha- work a moment extra. And then actually, I don't have that problem anymore. My team are really kind of excited about the stuff. And obviously, you know, like our work is quite fun. Yeah. A lot of the time, so it's all right.
1: Yeah, because also I was thinking on the way here, the stuff that you do, like you really, it doesn't feel like PR in a way it's like you've managed to sort of work with really nice brands and you tell stories in a way that people are actually interested it doesn't feel like really naff PR at yeah.
2: all yeah I mean that just feels I wasn't trained in I didn't do a degree in PR I did a degree in like sustainability so I didn't ever do marketing or anything and actually just it's actually just my personality and now everyone that works there we find out really interesting things and really fun things and then we tell people about them. Yeah. And it's kind of a, we're the middleman between someone making something brilliant and someone writing about someone who makes something brilliant. Yeah. It's a lovely position. It's actually really fun. And everyone thinks you're really helpful. So you just end up being, everyone's (laughs) like, thanks for pimping out my thing. And you're like, you're welcome. Someone's like, thanks for telling me about that thing. And you're
1: like, Like, I am really helpful.
2: And yeah, if it feels forced, if we're not into the product or the story or the artwork or the event we wouldn't take it on because it's got to be we've got to feel it to talk about it yeah you'd know fairly quickly if I didn't care about (laughs) the thing I was calling you about you'd be pretty you'd be onto it pretty quickly
1: yeah that's the same like when people get in touch about a story and you're like no it's there's like you you definitely know there's like a right fit and if it was sort of shoehorned in people would be able to spot it a mile off yeah
2: I do always wonder that with you actually like do you think of the themes and then go and find people to write them or do the writers come to you with ideas and because they specifically want to write about that thing is it
1: it's a bit of a mixture so for this one since I think issue five we've had like a definite because the first four issues were like, anything! Well, we just, like, didn't really have a set sort of structure for the features. We just made sure that there was different things. But now we have a sort of... So there's always a historical, there's always an art and design. So now we have, like, a set structure. And then we look for really interesting stories in um, for, like, the dance feature. and then But then for, say, the art and design someone's come to us with a really great idea, so we're going to go with that. So it's, it is a bit of a mixture. But then normally for the meetings, they always come from us. So they're like really fascinating women that we've wanted to mm. write about.
2: And do you feel a pressure to represent every corner of the earth and every type of woman on earth? Like There must be quite a pressure. We're going, mm, you've written about a kind of young, fashion-y person before. Like Why aren't you writing about this so and so from this country doing this obscure thing yeah
1: Yeah. I do because it's always been the aim to be as diverse as possible we have like yeah I feel I want to be really careful that we really represent a wide variety of people and represent them in the right way so so going back to Erica when we were thinking about um the photo shoot I'm looking back now and this the sort of ideas that we had were really far off the mark, like they were really arty and they were really sculptural and like abs- quite abstract and that wasn't what how she needed to look in the magazine, so I'm really glad that we went with Shaniqua, who shot her because yeah, I think a black woman shooting a black woman, you get a completely different image, and it's telling that woman 's story in a way that Shaniqua understands, whereas we were chatting to like this arty guy who would have like. They would have probably been quite nice pictures but it wouldn't have been Erica's story so Mm. I'm really aware of that every time we put an issue together Mm. And isn't it exciting now that you feel like you could pick
2: any inspirational woman on earth and pretty much have a shot at interviewing her You say
1: that, (laughs) but Margaret Atwood says no, every issue Bridget Riley's always a no. Bridget have wow, relentless I like it every issue Mags emailed, I'm back <laughs> I emailed this guy the other day and I was like hi it's your annual spam and he's like oh god you
2: Where do they give you feedback why what's the deal is it just interviews
1: I think Bridget Riley's just not into interviews I think she's just like I'm not doing them Margaret Atwood she'd done loads for Handmaid's Tale Handmaiden's Tale so it was just the wrong time um yeah and I think sometimes I can I can understand why because yeah being interviewed and it's like it is a it takes a while it's quite intimate if you're not if you've been interviewed a lot why would you want to just do another one Mm -hmm. but then when you do get people who are really into it then that really makes a difference and they really they're invested and they want to tell an interesting story and that's when you get the best results
2: and that's probably changed you now that you're like proactively going out to get new stories as well because we've had that you know for years and years and years everything's going just from reputation and recommendation and recommendation and actually we got to a point about a year ago where we were like wow we love everyone we work with but it's all come to us mm. we've been very very passive and very selective we turn down lots of clients a lot which is a really nice position to be in but it's still passive yeah. you know we're still sitting there and kind of spending a lot of our time turning clients down and then picking the really good ones but actually the, you know there are some other people on earth that we really want to proactively go out and get and are you going to
1: start are you starting to to start doing that now yeah being
2: a bit braver and doing actual proposals for things as opposed to kind of people coming to us and then us costing it up mm. and going back to them and then coming up with a plan together that's quite an exciting moment don't you feel like when you've kind yeah, of yeah is something. that
1: has that is that because there's you want to expand or is that there just there's people that you'd love to work with? Yeah,
2: I just think I don't really want to grow. Yeah, (laughs) The just general growth model is not my future, I hope. I don't want loads of employees. I don't want countless clients. I love the fact that I know intimately what's going on with all of our external clients all the time. Mm. I really do know what's going on. The team do most of the legwork, I've got to be honest. (laughs) They work really hard. Within their conversations, I'm just not in the actual meetings. We talk about everything, and I think if there was, you know... It gets to a point where you can't do that and suddenly you are an hr person you've got director under your name but you're an hr person and i've got nothing against hr people but i don't want to be one yeah it's that's a really exhausting really demanding job and i want to do the work you know i want to talk to journalists all the time and yeah there's just really curious things you know you go to milan or you go to einhoven or new york you find brilliant designers and they might have no idea who you are because we're fairly white labeled Mm. you're quite secret actually in most of the public facing stuff in design land so they might never find you so it's kind of now knowing that we can cover our bases and proactively go out and get stuff
0: that's a nice position to be in you're listening to thought starters with Rapost magazine editor danielle pender and sabine zettler founder of zettler creative publicity
1: quite a lot of volunteer work don't you how do yes. you fit that in like mentally but also physically like because I imagine that must take a lot out of you out of your own it does your mental space funny I've just done it for so
2: long I think my life would be really lost without it I started volunteering when I was you know at university after university is when it really kicked in why did old, you
1: start doing it
2: just being aware that there's loads to do. <laughs> like it was really just like there's loads to do and there's loads of trouble. And if you're kind of politically engaged and you're socially aware and you've got your eyes open when you walk down the street, you're just like, wow, there's loads of things that aren't being sorted by the state. And mm. maybe I can be helpful. I'm not going to transform anything on my own. But mm. you do go and actually, my motivation is to be helpful. But actually, of course, you get lots out of it. You meet mm. people that whose lives I would never cross, you know, people that have loads of kids that come and cook the meals and, you know, an 80-year-old male dentist who just would not be someone I'm going to sit and have a conversation with anyway. I can't see where any other part of my life would find one another. But you find each other doing a night shift in a homeless shelter and actually you then talk to them for nine hours, which is crazy. You know, I'd never find Ian Hine anywhere else (laughs) in life. And it's really important. I think, you know especially when you know that you're hated by a lot of people (laughs) purely because you're a PR person. (laughs) Doing something that isn't universally hated is really, really nourishing.
1: (laughs) Just being helpful again.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And obviously there's loads to do. And actually people go, wow, that must be so nice. You walk home from the shelter. You must feel really great about yourself. And actually it's a window into deep-rooted inequality. And it's very, very weighty knowing that just outside your nice, flat... You know, I rent a flat in Homerton with my boyfriend. We're not laughing all the way to the bank or anything, but we are fine mm. and we're healthy and we're well and numerous safety nets around us, if anything, was to go horribly wrong for reasons we can't predict. And so, yeah, you know, now we've started volunteering something called Restoration Station on Sundays. And yeah. again, Jodie and my team used to work at SCP and then helped them once and... Well, helped them once, that's not... Helped them a few times when she was working at SCP. And then... You know, I'd lived in Shoreditch for nearly a decade, had no idea that it was there. That's crazy. I work with the homeless in Hackney and work in the design industry. And it's a place of restoring furniture that's, you know, looking after people who are recovering from addiction. And you're like, how did I not know when I feel pretty engaged? So, yeah, we started doing their PR and their social media for free. And now we, you know, we were like, it's mad. If you don't open on Sundays, you're mad. You're here, you're a shop. You need to open It's really busy
1: around there as well on a Sunday, so it's yeah, it's such a good thing that they yeah. are now opening.
2: Yeah, and they just didn't have any resources, so Katie and our team made a schedule and put all our names in it, and now mm. we open the shop on Sundays. It's just our team, it's just our office. It's so weird, <laughs> like we hang out with each other all week, <laughs> like, and I'm hi. like, bye, <laughs> see you on Sunday. Yeah, that must be really fun for them.
1: But yeah, do we do. Think, yeah. Do you think? Because I've been thinking a lot, we're going to do a feature in the next issue about like individualism and this whole attitude of like being a boss bitch and like Mm. really asserting yourself and it feels like it's just gone to the nth degree where it's really missing the point that we actually need to be more collective and to make a difference we actually do not need to have that attitude because it's not helping like and it feel yeah kind of I worry about it that individualistic attitude that Mm. a lot of people have and it's not a new thing but yeah
2: people are definitely looking out for themselves or have been for a long time And I mean, even in, you know, PR land, going back to my work, people find it very odd that we're very supportive of other PR agencies really near us. Mm. They just assume there's a natural competition or with other women running businesses. They're like, oh, do you not feel threatened? And I'm like, not really. Like, you know, not really. I think that's really strange. Like, you know, go to someone else's event, even if it helps, even if they're a competitor, if they're doing something really interesting, talk about it. Tell people about it. It's interesting. Yeah. It seems bizarre and beyond me to kind of just be so protective of. Yeah, because you know, your... I don't
1: think it—it it doesn't lead to to good things. And I think, like, as the world of work changes as well, and there was this study that the, that Future Lab just released about. Mm. Um, I think it was female futures or something like that and it was talking about like the new or the future of work and how empathy and like um yeah sort of more fe- traditionally female traits will become more um important in the world of work and it seems like though sometimes those empathetic collaborative attitudes or attributes are really pushed aside Mm. and it's such a shame
2: yeah and actually design land is quite a nice one to work in Mm. for that like it really is I did feel the difference of that I mean I used to work in tv and that was really fun and I I was really young and then I worked in travel and I worked in fashion for a bit and actually I'm really at home in design you know, and we love working with the arts as well. But again, arts is obviously a lot about the individual. Mm -hmm. It's about artists expressing themselves. You know, they have to delve deep within themselves to express something. And that can be really beautiful. It can be really, really annoying. (laughs) And like, not our clients, note. Um, But design, they're always trying to make something ergonomic useful so they're always thinking about the end user so it's inherently quite generous in what they're doing and if it doesn't work then it's a rubbish design yeah so that's you know just great and actually we have a funny thing in our office i'm trying to think you know obviously before today thinking about all the amazing women in my life and there are loads and we speak to amazing women all the time who make brilliant things but we've got a Michael Marriott monitor (laughs) in our heads at any one time at work. I feel like I should only talk about women, but actually he's a total hero. And he's just so generous and so community-led and such a brilliant designer and maker. And, you know, his kind of brain and the way he operates is is that genuinely useful, the thing he makes is going to be really well made and last forever. Mm. He's really kind. He just connected me to two charities last week. I had meetings with both of them, both doing brilliant things in Hackney. And you just, that feels, it is spreading. Mm. And it is, you know, people again talk about them as more female traits. And actually, I just think they're traits that have been completely unappreciated in our power crazed, mm-hmm. individual, you know, individualistic society, you know, we think of our two female prime ministers, and I just want to face palm. Oh know. my god! <laughs> I mean, no. we probably shouldn't go too far. You know how <laughs> how ranty I can be, but you know we go, like, oh yeah, women in power, and then they reference those two, and you're like, but oh, that's like not the whole two. power
1: structure, isn't it? It's just such an old traditional thing that they're just playing the game. They're not changing anything. They're just fitting into that that mold yeah. of of what a powerful person in that position does. Mm-hmm. They're not. Like, Thatcher wasn't interested at all in supporting women. She was just, like, she was just, like, the men in, in mm. her cabinet.
2: And then I wonder if it's just, you know, is a, just, it's a human trait. And I do think it's more masculine, because obviously that's been since the dawn of time. You know, most of our structures have been built by men. But, mm. you know, lots of women fit quite comfortably into that. Mm. And, you know, then I kind of think of, you know, my favourite male friend's, you know, I might think of them as more female, but they're probably just kinder, nicer, more community-led <laughs> great men who are very, very masculine. Yeah, but just don't have that. You know, power obsessed aspect. To their yeah, character. it's
1: kind of ego, isn't it? It's, it's yeah, it's driven by ego. And I think if you're driven by ego, you'll always come undone because you're mm-hmm. always just interested in your, in yourself and you're and satisfying yourself, and that's not that's never going to lead to anything good.
2: Mm. What? going back to women who is really exciting you at the moment who
1: um princess Nokia Nokia however you pronounce it she's like this I think she's 23 she's from Harlem and she's a rapper but she's like like fiercely smart she runs this thing called Smart Girls Club for young urban girls and they do like these spiritual workshops and she raps like Really sm- about really smart stuff, but she's total badass. I think she's amazing. Cool. Please be in our next issue. <laughs> <laughs> and uh um, the ISBN number. Uh Melina Matsukas, who I love, and also so she is a director and she directed um, a lot of the videos off Lemonade. Mm-hmm. Uh and she did oh who else? She did another, she did Solange's video and she directed loads of episodes of Master of None. And she did, um, have you seen Issa Rae's Insecure on, uh, I just watched it on Now TV. So she's like this black girl and she started off doing a web series called Awkward Black Girl and then they made it into a series and Melina shot some of them. And it's like, it's just the smartest series and I just love the characters and it's not like, it talks about race but in a really smart way. And yeah, and I think Melina is a director, she's she's really a strong character. Please be an issue. <laughs> <So> <laughs> <also asked her. laughs>
2: I can't stop thinking about I mean everyone asks me all the time, like who inspires you, who inspires you, who inspires you, and Paula. Oh I, mean, what Paola a babe. I am
1: obsessed with her, maybe? Like I obsessed know. with
2: her. It's a good feeling.
1: She's um, just like so clever but the way she ha- like the poise and the way she comes across is just so open and but and again like going back to that collaborative thing you know at her talk she was talking about those uh, salons mm-hmm. and just the she's just so interested in loads of different people's opinions yes. on all sorts of different things no, she was amazing. And she made me
2: think differently about all sorts of things. Again, you and I have had really amazing conversations before about parenting. Like, you're doing what you do, and you have a daughter, and I'm doing what I do, and I'm, you know, don't have children, and actually possibly won't, maybe. Mm. You know, I don't know. But she was a real kind of approval person. Yeah. <laughs> so I love the fact she just said, you know, very casually, well, no, not in this life. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just, I don't want to bring up a child in New York and I'm really busy and really, really happy and really busy and yeah. actually, no thanks.
1: Yeah. I was like, oh yeah. And I think, yeah, there's, that's the thing. there's such a conversation that much more mainstream conversation that needs to be had about women and kids and not having kids and it not just being the narrative that if you don't have a kid, then you're this like failed woman because that's completely not, mm. that's not the point. Like we shouldn't just be drilled into this stereotype and feel like we get to 30 and we should all be Mm. knocking out kids Mm. because then it leads to really unhappy women, unhappy relationships. And actually, a lot of the time, do you you really want a kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just think you need to have one. No, i know and or you
2: just can be in a state where you just don't know many mm-hmm. people are like do you want to be a mother or not like, I don't i'm know, like no I I idea <laughs> yeah <laughs> and then they kind of look at you kind of hopeless like oh come on just pick a side and then we can <laughs> yeah. debate that and i'm like yeah. i have no idea
1: yeah as if it's that binary like <laughs> oh some days i do some days i definitely don't yeah yeah
2: cute kids i'm like two please <laughs> Not cute kids, none of those thanks i'm really busy <laughs> i'm just going to go and do something else. Yeah. But yeah, that was a really good moment in my adult life seeing someone who I admired anyway, and I was waiting for her moment where she went, oh, and then I got to thirty five and I took a few years out to have my kids, and then she didn't, mm. and it was a proactive choice, and she just wasn't into it. yeah, and, and just like, see oh,
1: you, you're allowed you kind of, yeah you're allowed to have a choice. Yeah and just seeing someone being honest about it and it not being like oh poor Paula she's like no that was Mm -hmm. my decision and I'm and that was don't pity